ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you know, it always feels good to crack the mic the way I like to crack the mic. My name is Dietrich Davis. I am one half of this illustrious tag team called the Wrestlers with Experience Podcast. I am your host, as you heard me say earlier, Dietrich Davis. My co-host, Mark Morell, puts out the content on international news and other wrestling news. And I cover WWE, some of AEW, and a lot of stuff stuff going on in wrestling. But this has been a very unique week in wrestling. Highs, lows, ups, and downs. I am also publicly known as Diamond Head. I am also publicly known as King Bumaye. I am also publicly known as Mr. Magic. I am also publicly known as Big Boss Hog. Ladies and gentlemen, wrestling is what I love talking about. Wrestling is what Mark Morell loves talking about. And this week in wrestling news, I'm going to cover a few topics. Normally, I do one topic per episode, but I want to see what it feels like to give you a few topics per episode. First, I got to say, we have lost a wrestling legend in the world of professional wrestling by the name of Pat Patterson. He is definitely a WWE legend. He's a trailblazer. He died at 79 years of age. Pat Patterson was born Pierre Clement. He had been he is been he was quietly battling cancer before his death. He was known as WWE's first gay superstar. And it's unfortunate that we lost him at seventy years of seventy nine years of age. Um he was the first WWE WWF Intercontinental Champion. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1996, and he retired from the ring in 1984, but had a long career as an announcer, executive producer, and was credited and is credited as the inventor of the Royal Rumble and then perfected the Royal Rumble. This man, this with all the love he gets, yes, there's lots of controversy. I believe in 2014, Pat Patterson came out as gay, but he had a 40-year relationship with Louis Donato, who also died of a heart attack the same night of the 1998, um, was it the the King of the Ring? At the the second Hell in a Cell match with um, Mick Foley versus The Undertaker. And let me rightfully get that up. Mick Foley versus The Undertaker. It was at the second Hell in a Cell match at the time. Yes, and it was at the 1998 King of the Ring, the second Hell in a Cell match. And on that night, on that very eerie night of all of that happening, that happened with the Mick Foley going through the cage, Pat Patterson, which was a WWE producer, presenter, um, announcer, everything under the bun, bun. They don't have bookers in WWE, but he was part of storyline writing. He lost his partner to a heart attack that night. So the the 1998 King of the Ring had a lot of events going to it, and Louis had been his forty, his love of his life for forty years. So on this day, on this episode, I do not like to do. 
I do not like to talk about wrestlers that passed away, but I will um, do a, uh, I, I would say, you know, ring the bell 10 times for him. I need to put a bell effect, but let's assume that the bell was rung 10 times from him. And Pat Patterson, though there's a lot of controversy that goes with his name as well, he is a wrestling legend. He's a, he will forever be a part of wrestling history. And because of him, a lot of guys got breaks. Because of him, he helped a lot of wrestlers get the opportunities that they needed to get. And he helped a lot of people put together matches. He was good at closing matches. He was good at uh, helping producing matches for wrestlers and this, that, and the other. And he was a great finish guy. And if you don't know what the finish guy is, he's the guy who may help you come up with your finish to close out the match. He had a mind for wrestling. He lived this business. He breathed this business. He created in this business. He's also known as Vince McMahon Stooge, which he proudly did for many years. But he was a major power player in the WWF slash WWE. So for that, myself and Mark Morell. Celebrate says uh, we wish the condolences to the family of the late great WWE legend and trailblazer Pat Patterson. With that said, I want to get that out of the way and get into some other wrestling news because that's kind of a low way to start. But we have they always say in Italy, you sell it, you go to the, the graveyard and you celebrate the dead before you celebrate the living because your past is your future in some instances. But um, moving forward, I want to um, I want to talk about Sting. Sting shook up the wrestling world yesterday. He's officially back on T TNT television. He had uh, joined WW motherfucking E uh, a few years ago, but then the dude, without a shadow of a doubt, um, showed up at AEW. Shocked the wrestling world and literally, literally put had everybody in shock. They said that the boys were marking out in the back. Sting was a well-kept secret. And I think Sting is going to be a great addition to um, AEW. And Tony Khan made it very clear. He made it very clear that he will not be in a wrestling capacity, though he may get physical. But you won't be seeing him take a bump. He signed a multi-year deal. And Sting will be a character that that helps move forward the AEW brand. I think this is the I think this is the best signing AEW has done because they have a person who's very mature. He knows the business. He understands the business. He understands working hurt. And he's one of those men that he can only add on to it. He added on to WWE when he was there. He added on to TNA Impact when he was there, and we know he was part of the building of the second generation of WCW during the during the the, uh, the Crow Sting era. Sting is a major motherfucking player, and Sting will be here forever in this business. And it got me to thinking about something. What if what if Seth Rollins never did the buckle bomb? And never hurt Sting. Forget about Undertaker versus Sting. That should have been done 10 years ago when they both, both were better wrestlers. And Sting, let me tell you something. Sting was hanging with the big boys when he got into that WWE ring. He was able to hang with Seth Rollins and a lot, Seth Rollins and a lot of those younger wrestlers. That's without question. Sting was able to go. And no one's questioning Sting's ability and capability of doing anything. But what, the question you have to ask is... 
what if Sting never was injured? I felt Sting was completely wasted. I felt Sting should have become WWE champion. I think they shouldn't have used him as a pin as a as a pin to Triple H, though it didn't matter. But you know, wins and losses really don't matter in certain cases. But I don't know why he didn't become WWE champion. He should have been. And I think they should have let him go into WrestleMania and truly pass a torch of the older wrestler giving uh giving the young guy the rub. And I think Sting is just one of the best ever to do it. And it just it's just like the matches he could have had. We've seen him versus AJ Styles, but we didn't see him versus Nakamura. We didn't see him versus uh, Kofi Kingston. We didn't see him versus any of the future greats. Imagine Sting versus Daniel Bryan. It could have been so much they did with Sting as WWE champion. And I think that was Vince's way of shitting on the last WCW wrestler, which is something Sting always wanted to avoid. He said he didn't come in the mid-thousands because he didn't like what they were doing with Booker T. And it seemed like Vince has a personal agenda to bury WCW wrestlers. Though Sting was giving the red carpet on certain things, I feel as if he wasn't protected. And shame on Seth Rollins for not. It's not that, you know, Sting didn't do something he wasn't willing to do. But shame on Seth Rollins for not protecting wrestling royalty. Because Seth Rollins and Sting could have went back and forth. It could have been a back and forth for the world title. And I think WWE completely missed the ball, ball by not letting Sting run with that world title, be the world WWE champion or universal champion. I think at the time he was challenging for the WWE championship. And I just feel as if Sting is just a great character. And even in his 50 plus years of age, he was he was moving around better than the taker and better than some of the younger wrestlers. And he's just a, a person who has completely understood the ring and, and completely understands what it takes to be a competitor and to be a, a ring general for the world of professional wrestling. Imagine if Sting won the Royal Rumble. Imagine if Sting went to the main event of WrestleMania and won the WWE Championship. So many things could have happened if Sting did not become hurt that year. And I think that would have been the best thing going for business. And and let me look up when Sting was hurt. Um, let me see something. Sting's injury. WWE. If I'm right, I believe Sting's final match. It definitely, it definitely um, wasn't 2019. Oh, uh, he did headline the class, the WWE class of Hall of Fame in 2016 on April 2nd. Blah blah blah. What in the? Uh, let's see. They not. I can't find the exact date. I'm sorry, you guys. I didn't have that. Um, I did find an old article from the Bleacher Report, 2015, September 22nd, 2015. And Sting, uh, Sting, by the corner, went, legs was wobbly. He was 56 years old. I, I remember it was the Night of Champions. It's just so fucked up that that happened. And I think that was a great time for Sting to win that WWE championship. But that is what that is at this point. Um, But 
Sting being a part of WCW, not WCW, being back on TNT's t- television. Sting being, um, Sting being back as a part of the business professional wrestling. Sting should always be that un- that that great, and he's sixty one years old. He looks phenomenal. He looks like he's uh, he can give them what they need. He gave a beautiful rub to Darby Island, and you know I just want to see I want to see Sting done right. If you're not gonna give him matches, give him something where he can, he can, he can put out and he can give people what they need, you know. But it's just, it just goes to think like, what if he wasn't injured? Another thing Sting did, Sting also broke t-shirts, uh, a t-shirt record over at Pro Wrestling Tees. Within less than 24 hours, he has had the most selling shirt in less than 24 hours in the history of um that company but just so you know orange cassidy is still the number one selling t-shirt on pro wrestling tees of 2020 in general but for first day sales sting has knocked it out of park they have a hoodie they have a shirt i believe they have a hat and i like this i like the logo it gave you that old wcw feel with the with the two baseball bats over his head and the sting logo and the aew logo on top they gave it a very retro feel it felt wcw but it felt new I got to definitely get my hands on one of those Sting shirts. I, I like the way they present this thing. They debut Sting. I like that they gave him. He just came out as Sting, and I'm glad that he owns the trademark and rights to his property and capability of using it and stuff. It's one of the dopest things I've seen in a long fucking time that has been done with wrestling, and AEW definitely deserved that. That, that was a bit, that This particular Wednesday was a big night for AEW in general. And I like the way they did things. I like the way they presented. And the, they, they do a lot of shit wrong. You know, but when they get it right, they get it right. And I'm not going to take away anything from AEW. They got this appearance of Sting completely right. It wasn't even leaked on the internet. You know, if this was WWE, they would have marketed it. Did this, did this. Ladies and gentlemen, Sting is returning. And they were, excuse me. Booked them to the nine o'clock hour and ten o'clock hour or let or ten fifty five and this that and the other, and they didn't turn it into a marketing thing. They just kept it very private, and that's what wrestling needs. The reason why that felt so good because you didn't read about it on a dirt sheet. Nobody knew. They kept it from the boys in the back, and it was a legit pop. Whether there's no audience or might on audience or not, if there was a large crowd and it was twenty five people, twenty five thousand in attendance. Sting would have stole the fucking night, no questions asked. Um, and I hope they put Sting in a great position. I don't think we're ever going to see him as AEW champion because Tony Khan did say that they will not, for a fact, he will not be um, a wrestler, but more of a character on the show. So let's hope and see how they book him. And I hope that Sting can help them in leading them in the direction of how to book Sting and how to put him in the right direction because Sting knows his character better than anyone else. He's built it for over 20-something years. The, 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 the Crow Sting has been built from 1997, 19, end of 96, 97, 98, and beyond. So I hope that it's a 22-year-old character, and I hope that they 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 – they 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 spread them out over the next couple of years correctly and they get a lot out of sting and it's not like wasted potential because aew though it's a great company it's still in there's potential phase it's it's great that we have more competition 
but w but it's still in that okay i see potential but where are you going so with sting being there hopefully he can offer direction and he could become a part of the background system of making it work amongst these young gentlemen because outside of dustin he's the oldest wrestler there i mean you got tully and shit like that and blah 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 anyhow um so that's just my personal thing. So shout, uh, congratulations to Sting to breaking a t-shirt record. He's probably made some money off of that. And it just shows you that the older wrestlers, you know, when they're done, they, they come with so much history that they can always be replenished and repackaged, even if you're looking at the same old thing. And that's what fucking works. And that's what I love. And AEW is probably going to give him more freedom than he's had in WCW or WWE. But only time will tell. But bringing up Darby Allen, uh, also, I, w- I, I want to jump into Darby Allen for a little bit because I was watching the program and I'm watching all these wrestlers and a lot of these guys are from Impact. A lot of these guys are from WWE. A lot of these guys are from New Japan and they built names for themselves. And AEW hasn't had a breakout star that belongs to them. John Moxley is a product of WWE and he's brought over and this, that, and the other. Um, the young bucks, every all these guys has built something. But Darby Allen, whether I like the whether the whether I do not like the risk that he take, Darby Allen one hundred percent is AEW's breakout star, and a lot of young kids are gonna love Darby Allen. And I'm starting to understand the longevity with Darby Allen. I just hope that he pulls back some of that risk taking he takes with that coffin drop with the back of his neck because the human body can only handle but so much. And at 20, you can do anything. At 30, you're learning what your limits are. At 40, you know exactly what you're not doing. And I would like to see Darby Allen make it, have a 20-year career in the business of professional wrestling without hurting himself and damaging himself. So that's my wish that I hope happens for him. But also... When you think about it, he's. I, I watched the autograph signing with him, and the kids j- genuinely loved him. People genuinely loved him, and he's like an AEW original. And Darby Derby uh, Derby Allen is turning into something a little bit special. And I think if he has the right set of matches on the right stages, and he can be. I'm not gonna say he could be there, Mick Foley. But he could be a, a little bit groundbreaking. And if he just slows his pace down just a little bit and take less risk, he'll be around to when he hits that 10-year point, when he hits that sweet spot where he's firing at all cylinders in his 30s, we're going to see some greatness out of Derby Allen. So I won't be, even though I wasn't a fan of his in the beginning, and I'm not a fan of his risk-taking, as you heard me say several times in the last few minutes, I want you guys to sit back and really take a look at Darby Allen and realize that this man has a a 20-year potential will he stay in aew the whole time i do not know i do know wwe wouldn't know what to do with a darby allen they wouldn't know how to market a darby allen and i think aew should put the rocket ship up under this kid and send him to the moon and market him and get him going at a certain thing they should um if they do a video game Derby Allen should be on the cover. He should be on the first cover of an AEW video game. If they do any, if they build any new storylines, Derby Derby Allen should be the focus of a lot of things going in into branding the future of AEW. So they should put a lot of marketing behind him. 
they should feature him as the lead person on the first game because to put the Bucks on the first AEW game, let's just say on the cover, it's easy to put Kenny Omega on the first, um, what you call it is amazing on the first it is, is, is okay to put anyone else on that company on the cover of that game wouldn't be as important as putting Derby, uh, putting Derby Allen on that cover. And if you put him on there, with that TNT championship, with that AEW logo on top of it, and you got that face of his and that gear that he wears, you're going to have a lot of young people buying that. And I think they should push him as the wrestler of tomorrow if they're smart. If I was there, that's the conversation I would be having with Tony Khan. And forget everybody else. How do we build Derby? Derby? How do we get him to the World Heavyweight Championship in two years? How do we build him right who, who is he strongest against? Get him in the ring with everybody and let's see who he's strongest with and let's see who's healthy in 10 years. Or who can we hire to feed to Darby or to work with Darby to fine-tune him, to craft him into that future world heavyweight champion because it's already written on him. They just have to get to it. But enough for AEW right now. I want to talk about WWE for a couple of more minutes. For a couple of minutes. Um... I just learned that WWE have don't have the Royal Rumble built but booked the winner of the Royal Rumble booked nor is one match for WrestleMania booked. We're talking about a company that after WrestleMania 1 ended they would be sitting in Vince's backyard at not WrestleMania 1 after the WrestleMania ends and Vince's poolside and they will be planning out the next set of rest, the next WrestleMania and they would at least have the two key matches that would lead that next WrestleMania. And it's such a shame that with the amazing talent pool that WWE has, that they have not figured out how to book WrestleMania at least six months ago. Okay, great. You don't want to have it a year out. You got to have it six months out. The wrestlers are on a lighter schedule. You got a lot of more healthier wrestlers. You got less injuries in the WWE right now as we speak. And it's a shame that even if you look at the roster, there's no one that you can say as a fan, holy shit, there's no one to win the Royal Rumble. There's no one that you can truly see in the main event of WrestleMania, though we got great champions. Is is this company WrestleMania ready? And they're not. They don't even have the next pay-per-view planned out. Well, they have some of it now. I mean, obviously. But how are you not WrestleMania ready? You guys, this should be smooth sailing into this year's WrestleMania and Royal Rumble with the lighter schedule, with the less of injuries, with the amazing fucking talent pool they got. It's so crazy how this is not a reality already. Is this Vince sabotaging his own company as he get older? Is he micromanaging on a scale that he's interrupted his own format of putting together the WWE Royal uh, Royal Rumble at WrestleMania? Is he that far? I mean, obviously he's that far fucking out. But what the fuck is going on that we don't know that we don't need to know, but they don't even know what they have planned for us at this moment in time. And it's a little bit disturbing that this product that they're pushing in front of everyone is just um it's just fucked and i wish they would um i wish they would do something a a, a little bit different and i wish they wouldn't have played themselves 
the way they play themselves because it's 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 completely disappointing that this is how they, they they're fucking up the wrestlers you know like jesus fucking christ get this shit get this shit done fix it do something right you know and this is a major company this is not a small like oh you know hey you know hey we got these you know we might got something for you guys we might have this we might have that and that's a little bit embarrassing. I would be ashamed to be the WWE champion and like, holy shit, I don't even know if I'm in the main event. You know, they 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 they're fucking up uh, the what you call it. They fucking up the the Miz briefcase thing. They are literally fucking up. Um, what's this guy's name? Uh, Bray Wyatt's the Fiend character, and it's like they're they're not thinking, and I don't get it. I don't get it. I do not get it, and it makes no sense at all. It literally makes no sense at all, and I wish that they would get it together, like move Vince out the way or figure figure something out. You know what I'm saying? Because you guys, you guys are slipping into pimping, and I'm not feeling none of this shit at all whatsoever. Moving forward, WWE announces that they sign, um, they sign, I believe, six new people. They signed the former Evolve champion, um, Joss Briggs and Leon Ruff. That was earlier this year in October. They signed a few signees, but I mean, excuse me. They signed six new signees for December. Former Impact stars Desmond Xavier, Zachary Wentz has officially signed with WWE and now training at the Performance Center. And they also have four other people. They have Alex Brandenburg, who is also known in the Indies as Alex Zang. They, um, Got Shoju Ikman, I know I'm saying it wrong, a 26-year-old wrestler from Japan who once trained at WWE in NCW and WCW as, um, excuse me, who was trained by, by WWE and ECW legend Shijiri. Ariel um, Howard, an Ariel Howard, a former um, college basketball player and Russ Taylor who was also known on the indies as Ryan Taylor so congratulations to them they um made it to WWE <laughs> let's hope they make it out of the performance center <laughs> you, get, you get what I'm saying because you never know with this company let's hope that this that and the other but the person that I'm looking at is the 5 foot 11 23 year old Anario um Anero Howard she's a former WNBA athlete and um, she's a good-looking girl. You know, please don't hate me for doing that. I think she's very attractive. She's in extreme shape, and she's an athlete. And if they do this right, they can they can have something major with her. At her damn near six feet tall, she's probably one of the biggest females there. Um, and obviously, her body is built for the conditioning. She's not a small chick. She's she's built the last, for lack of a better term. But she has a great look. She has a great physical physique as a person who watches the WWW uh, the WNBA, and as a person who follows um, a lot of sports. She's definitely one of those people who is going to be major. I think she. Um, I think we're going to see a mix of Naomi and um, Bianca Belair in this one. Let's hope that she can talk. You know, it, it's not all about just, you know, oh, this person is this, this, that, and the other. Now, we need to know 
if she can talk. We need to know if she can move uh, if she can move in that ring. And let's hope that she makes it out of the performance center and becomes one of those great talents that balances out the future. Anyway, I don't mean to run my mouth off of it. It's wrestling news. I have to talk about it. Um but I, I hope to see I hope to see something. And it's not because she's black. I love when athletes come from different leagues and they um they do something with it. And she just has a great look. And when you're coming from basketball, you're coming from conditioning. Let's not remember Kevin Nash played ball. Um what you call it played ball. Excuse me, what's his name? The Undertaker played ball. I can't believe I forgot The Undertaker. But these are just people who they just, they knock it out the park and they're great at it and they're dope at it. And I, and I love seeing when athletes literally come from football, basketball, and hockey and stuff like that. And they join in MMA and they join the WWE because they bring that legitimacy of they were great in these other leagues, but can they be great here? That's what brought Brock Lesnar's stock up through the fucking roof and shit. And the last thing I want to talk about is AEW and the Impact. And the AEW and Impact working together. This could be major for the business of professional wrestling, ladies and gentlemen. With AEW and Impact working together and the possibility of AEW and New Japan working on a large scale and, and, and New Japan working with Impact and, and before. Imagine the possibility of one world championship rolling between those three companies. Um, I think if they're smart, Impact and AEW should become a joint company and then they have their two branding names or they they stay as sister company. They, they work with you together on a sister level and they do some great shit. It would be nice to see Impact Tag Team Champions on AEW television. The AEW World Heavyweight Champion, which is now Kenny Omega, he, him and Don Callis, two Canadians, are running off with the with the AEW Championship, and they're running off to Impact, and they're talking about you got to wait till Tuesday on Impact to find out what's happening next. Obviously, Kenny Omega has took the position of heel, and I think when companies work together like this, it was on a great scale. At one time, WWE could have did something like this. And when Triple H and them rolled down with that that uh that that uh that military jeep down to WCW, the biggest mistake Eric Eric Bischoff did was roll the gates down. He should have let them roll out to WWE television. They should have got face to face with Kevin Nash and DX and the NWO should have hugged it out and clicked up because that would have been fucking amazing. That would have been the greatest night in professional wrestling. And Eric Bischoff didn't have the vision to get WWE ratings over there because then they would have said, who knows who's coming next? And when you lost the opportunity to say get who's coming next, you've lost the whole audience. And to me, that's one of the most disappointing nights in wrestling because you're watching WWE and they're not even letting the WCW in. Um, the W's, the, you, you know WCW's not letting them in, and WCW is live, and this shit is going down. They pre-recorded it. They should have let them come down to the ring. This shit was dope. Well, whatever. But AEW and Impact Wrestling, what seems like something very simple can be major. And 
I think with the mix of them, New Japan, and Impact working if with Ring of Honor every so often, these four companies can come up and run up on WWE something fierce. Because they got a lot of talented dudes down at Impact that don't get to shine. And AEW just put more eyes on Impact Wrestling than Impact has ever had in the whole run of the TNA Impact Wrestling Company thing. Anyhow, that's pretty much my thoughts on everything. I thank you guys for listening to this episode of Wrestlers with Experience. Mark Morell will be bringing you more information and wrestling news and critiques um, later um, this week as well, uh, next week as well, because today's Friday. But I thank you guys so much. We appreciate all the listeners. We appreciate anyone who downloads and streams our podcast. And we we love all of you. We appreciate you. We're coming to a, a year in close. I would like to hit episode 150 by the time Christmas, uh, by the time D- December 31st comes around. Um, you'll get a few. We're going to be working overtime to get you guys more content and, 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 and more podcast episodes to listen to. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the next episode.